0: All right, everyone, I am so excited to be here with my dear friend Kelly Ruda today. And this is another episode of the Silver Lined Relaunch, where we are digging into potentially stories that you haven't heard or you haven't heard the details that we're gonna go in today about those relaunches that have made Kelly who she is. You're listening to the Silver Lined Relaunch, and I'm your host, Hilary DeCesar, award-winning entrepreneur and transitional coach. Each week, I'll invite you to tune into inspirational stories revealing how you too can turn ordinary experiences into the extraordinary. Feeling stuck? I'll share step-by-step strategies to fuel your ability to experience a life where silver linings are both abundant and possible. And so Kelly, thank you for being here and being willing to be vulnerable and sharing sharing your relaunch. So for those that don't know you, can you kind of take us through your journey and your significant relaunch in the silver linings and we'll just kind of take it from there.
1: Absolutely. Thank you, Hillary, so much for having me. I'm really honored and excited to be here. So for those of you in the audience that don't know me, my name is Kelly Ruda. I was a clinical psychotherapist for 20 years, and I really heard this calling to step forward, to serve more, to be more, to do more, to have more. And that required me to take a massive leap out of the plan. You know, we all have the plan. This is what I'm going to do for the next 30 years, 40 years, whatever. And just leap out of that and leap forward to answer this calling. And really what happened was I found that as a lot of my female clients, as a a therapist, as they healed and they grew, they had a calling to become business owners and entrepreneurs themselves. And I found myself so lit up, and inspired by them, they asked to continue to work with me. And it was unethical for me to do that as a therapist. And I would say, you don't need a therapist. You need a coach. And boom, the light went on. And I thought, oh, this is the thing. This is the next thing. And so six years ago, I closed up my office. I handed over the keys and leapt into the entrepreneurial industry. Now I am the owner and founder of Kelly Ruda International. I'm a CEO development strategist. And what that means is I work with CEOs, primarily females, uh, to create really foundational psychological breakthroughs in a safe and ethical manner that always lead to business growth and expansion. So that's really it in a nutshell. So there's so much there's there. Like,
0: oh yeah, everyone's like, "Okay, I get <laughs> why Hillary adores this woman because yes, that is right up my alley." But I am going to take you back. Yes. All right. Nice. Let's go back to when you were contemplating, like, why did you go into the psychotherapy type of profession? What caused you sure. to get into that?
1: Yeah. And I love talking about this because I think we're so wired to look for the arrival and skip over the journey mm-hmm. that I think talking yeah, about the yeah. Yeah, is is really uh, important and empowering. So, my my life started off with abuse. I was sexually abused from the ages uh, from the age of three to five, and after that, I developed a lot of mental health challenges. I developed um, depression. I was suicidal twice. I had a- both anorexia and bulimia. They just sort of cycled. I developed panic attacks and an anxiety disorder. I had a really out of control anger management problem. And in the long run, ended up being diagnosed with complex PTSD as the result of that traumatic event. And especially because it happened at such a young formative age. So I often laugh and say, psychotherapists, don't become psychotherapists because we had a great childhood. <laughs> that
0: doesn't really
1: happen. And um, I was so- You talk far- about, you
0: talk about major relaunches. What oh, you said.
1: so many. Uh, I I mean, I, I, child
0: I, abuse and you've got yes. anorexia, suicide, depression. I mean, you All have truly, I mean, yeah, these are, these are not the light ones. These are no. the deep, deep, like, you know, as you said, PTSD- oh you know, yeah well, I mean, where, mm, how did Pain, you heavy yeah painful mm-hmm. yeah and so you go through these truly traumatic life-altering situations and again you know the child abuse happened before you were six yeah I mean, and I didn't it just, remember
1: it until I was 47 years old. So I knew no. my whole life, something had gone down. I knew it. I mean, your body has somatic memory. So I I couldn't cognitively remember it, but my body knew exactly that something had gone wrong. And I had tried to explore it. I talked about it with my mom and she shut it down. I tried talking to other people in my family about it. They shut it down. Um, and then so
0: nobody wanted to even acknowledge no. it. No. And no. Is, the which person, is, so is, is the person still alive?
1: Is I that can't remember or? his face. Okay, I can't. I blocked out okay. his face. Yeah, which happens
0: makes often. Sense. Mm, totally yeah, it happens
1: often. I do have a sense that he was a much older man uh, because unfortunately I can remember his hands. And so I do have the sense that he was a much older man. So I don't think he's around. And that was always a concern to me is, is this person in my children's world because, you know, I, I'm on alert for my children and for my, oh, niece, I just had my like this
0: horrible feeling. Yes. I mean, yes. when you said that, Oh yes. yeah, you're right. Okay.
1: Yeah. And it made me question having children because can I keep them safe? Can I protect them? I don't even, did this really happen? And I don't know who this person is. When my mother died in, um, three years ago, she, that is when all the memories came back. And I think it's it's so amazing how the brain and the mind works. My, my mother wanted nothing to do with this conversation. And isn't it interesting? The minute she was out of the picture, my mind went, okay, you can have this piece of your history now, not a full piece, which is in terms of brain development and psychological development makes perfect sense because I was so, so young and people who are abused that young usually get just kind of blips and glimpses of things Um, I had some flashbacks, I had some memories, but his face was never clear. So yeah, lots to recover from. And even though my family was not a source of support or healing for me, I was so fortunate that other people stepped into my life, stepped into my education from a young age, Uh, my high school counselor changed everything for me. He was the most incredible person. And I followed in his footsteps because really close to my heart is an ethic, a value of paying it forward. I would not have survived adolescence or young adulthood, which was, I was suicidal at 14 and 19. Had there not been some really key adults in my life who stepped in and said, you are not what has happened to you. I see more in you than you see in yourself and come on, let's, let's go, let's do this. You don't have to stay here. And that has happened at every juncture and transition of my life, all the way from, you know, being a freshman in high school through graduate school, super postgraduate school and supervision, Starting my businesses, coaches who have seen things in me, it's just been so important. So I ended up being a therapist because I, A, I wanted to pay it back, but I mean, pay it forward, but also because I was that person in high school that everybody came to everybody said, yeah. I got to tell you about all my stuff. And I never yeah, understood I mean, we why call, we
0: call that the G zone. Yeah. That is yeah. your You know, your G zone is just, everyone wanted to share your genius zone is that you listen. And so when did you realize that, Hey, what I have others come to me for, I should actually now, because that's a pretty big decision to go into Huge. that profession. And mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of, I mean, I'm a, I had a psychology degree in college and there were classes that I remember, you know, walking out of and they do so much self-assessment and, you know, you're always using yourself against, yes. you know, what you're reading. So yes. how did, you know, when did that happen? I know you said this high school teacher was profound. Like mm-hmm. he made such a big difference in your life. Mm-hmm. Was it right after that, that it just kind of everything kind of fell into place and you're like, wait a second, I'm taking back my life, or or Mm -hmm. did this just keep going? And it was kind of a platform, a building process.
1: So there there, it was a platform and a building process, but there were two really pivotal moments. One was my junior year in high school. I had been thinking about two career paths, law and marine biology. I still think I would have made an excellent attorney. (laughs) But
0: I, I can, knowing you as I do now, <laughs> I would agree. <laughs> and also I'm a Marie Miles. I think, girl, you could do anything.
1: So I, well, I appreciate that. But, you know, it was things had piqued my interest, but, and I did not realize this at the time because I was 16 years old, but what I was looking for was a calling. An actual vocation. That's what I was seeking, even though if you had said that to me at 16, I wouldn't have known what the heck you were talking about. But that was that inner match I was looking for. So I took a psychology class my junior year of high school, and it hit me like a ton of bricks. I was more fascinated by the human mind and the connection to human behavior than anything else on the planet. And I also realized. Again, I don't think I could have verbalized this at the time, Hillary, but I, I realized it on some level that not only did I have the capacity to listen with empathy and compassion, one of my unique sort of divinely given gifts is the ability to see people. And we have a deep yearning to be seen for the truth of who we are, not for what's happened to us, not for what other people say about us, not for what's superimposed by culture or politics or religion or gender, but who we are at our core. And that's what was attracting people to me. its It was this, I can say whatever and be in front of her and she sees me. And God, that's what, what started this. So,
0: that right what you just said, be seen, Mm -hmm. I, I attribute it to like the belonging. Mm -hmm. We want to belong. Yes. And for so many of us, it's, you know, indoctrinated into us when we were young that, you know, here's the religion, here are the groups. Oh, we don't do those groups. Oh, this is our political preference. Oh, we don't. And sometimes it just doesn't fit what we are down deep. And that belonging just seems to like, my grandmother used to call it divine discontent. Oh, just like oh, what is happening? I just got chills. And when you say that you have this gift of you know this this ability to have people be seen, and yet I'm questioning were you being seen?
1: And the answer is yes and no. So and this is what I mean by that you know, we are wired as human beings. It it is innate in us. Belonging is innate because it assists survival. You know, when you're kicked out or abandoned as a child, as a baby, your likelihood of survival drops, but there's emotional abandonment in a lot of families because they're toxic, they're dysfunctional, there's abuse, there's Uh, mental health issues, substance abuse issues, whatever, you know, there's the whole gamut. So no, I was not seen by my family. And as a, as a matter of fact, I think I was a very, I don't think I know I was very threatening to my parents because they come from a generation where you are seen, but not heard. You are, you are direct reflection of your parents. Your accomplishments are your parents And I came out and they didn't know what to do with me. (laughs) They just did not know what to do with me. And they tried to stifle me every which way. And it didn't go well because I'm very, very disruptive and rebellious by nature. And I tried, Hillary, I really did. I tried to be a good girl when I was a kid. I'm just not. I'm just not. And they, and they, it doesn't mean I'm not a good person. I just don't fit in the good girl sort of, you know, category. And that was very disturbing for my parents. A little context. My mother was a Catholic nun prior to, Oh. yeah. So if that just gives you a little,
0: a little flavor. Uh, Oh boy. (laughs) So her beliefs were running deep within you. So no wonder you felt like you were a hellion.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no. And I am a hellion by nature, you know, but (laughs) But really, they had these very, very defined and rigid expectations of having three daughters and who they will be and what they will do and how they will f- reflect upon our family and X, Y, and Z. And I just didn't fit any of that. Mm-hmm. So I was not seen by them, but I was fortunate enough to be seen by my a, a few teachers in high school, my high school counselor, my high school nurse, my therapist, which I had to beg my parents to get for me. Um, oh, I bet coming yes. from that family, we oh, don't, don't have not. problems.
0: So we they don't hated. have problems. We don't do that. That's not what we do, right? No,
1: no, no mm-hmm. definitely, definitely not. And fortunately by some of my friends' parents, who really saw me and were willing to say to me, "Oh, I see this in you, I see this, that and the other in you." And it, you know, that's what propelled me to go into psychology. And actually, I was told at about 17 years old that I would probably never be able to have children. And so when I went to college, I went with the thought that, oh, I was going to go into adoption services because wouldn't that be a wonderful thing to help facilitate? that um, the building of a quote unquote, non-traditional family, wouldn't that be amazing? Then I got to college and I ended up in the absolute throes of a horrendous eating disorder that was life-threatening and it, it was really, really ugly. It went on from 14 to almost 22. I got into treatment at 21
0: and really a matter of like the control. Oh yeah. It was, it was, you could control.
1: it was really bad. It was, I got really, really sick. And part of my recovery was because I'm always thinking, how do I pay this forward? How do I do I pay this forward? Because the, the therapists I worked with were on campus because my parents didn't even support the recovery process. So I had this, these amazing therapists on curious, campus. I'd be curious
0: to even ask you, uh, no. was your mom even willing to acknowledge that you were getting thinner and thinner?
1: Oh, she not only acknowledged it, she praised it.
0: Oh God. Uh, she yeah. it. Uh, yeah. I, you know what? I, I mm. have a client I just was working with yesterday and the skinnier she got, mom was like, wow, you look yeah. amazing. Yep. Yeah, it's interesting.
1: Yep. And it didn't mm-hmm. matter how sick I was. It didn't matter that I had bald spots. It didn't matter that my it was
0: falling out. Yeah, oh,
1: did, none of that mattered. It was. I can't believe how how skinny and thin you are. It's. An, it was v- very much praised and rewarded, yeah. which just fed the cycle of being sick. Really. So um, when I got well and I got into recovery. Part of me paying it forward was, and I was very nervous to do this, Hillary, but I something in me said, You have to speak, you have to speak to people about this. Because if one person hears your story and decides to get help as the result, then you've done something good in the world. So I started speaking at high schools and colleges and, this was and
0: speaking, speaking about anorexia and
1: it was bulimia. about my journey yeah. with anorexia yeah. and bulimia mm-hmm. and, uh, my family dynamics and getting well. And so I spoke at high schools. I spoke at colleges. I spoke at, uh, local community centers, um, the Jewish community center and the YMCA, anybody who would have me, I would, I would speak. And I just realized that speaking, I was born to do it. I was built to do it. And that was at 22 years old. And I haven't shut up since.
0: (laughs) I talk about two things, but I I haven't stopped talking. With all the the relaunches we just talked about, girl, you got a lot to talk about. A lot. There is, you know, there's a lot of depth. And I, I bet, you know, having two daughters and a son, especially my girls, you know, there's a lot that still needs to be addressed about society social media and we can talk a lot about that but we're i'm going to keep going here because i want to make sure that people realize um if i were to ask you this question with everything the child abuse the Mm -hmm. you know the the starving yourself the trying to take your life the all the different different situations that you the relaunches that you've been through mm-hmm. do you find that there are silver linings with each every time every time even, I, even the hardest one that that child especially
1: abuse is, the mm-hmm. hardest one mm-hmm. especially You know, for a long time, and a lot of my psychotherapy clients struggled with this too. I I was, for a lot of people, the first person they ever told about their abuse. 50 years old, didn't tell their husband, didn't tell their siblings, didn't tell their best friend. I was the first person they told, which was a profound privilege, by the way.
0: As a a therapist, were you sharing your story with them? No. So they were just sharing this, not even knowing that you had gone through this. Okay. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. So... Uh, you know, for me, one of the things I struggled with for a long time, and I really need to work through, was I kept asking myself, who would I have been if this was not done to me? What would my brain have been like? What would my journey have been like without depression, without anxiety, without PTSD, without anorexia, without, without, without? And it, I got so stuck because it was a disempowering question. And the reason I mean, what I mean by that is there was, I I asked that question and nothing good would come of it. Nothing good would come of it because my brain would immediately take me to your life would have been better. You would have been healthier. You would have been happier. You would have been more successful, whatever, just the ramblings of the ego. Mm -hmm. When the real question, the valuable question is, what did that unlock in me that allowed me to be the person I am today? And Absolutely, asking that question. Kelly. Yes. That yes. question has led me down a totally different path. Totally different yeah, path.
0: It's not, it's not about how you could have changed it or if you didn't mm-hmm. have it happen. It's that was your journey. That was your path. Mm-hmm. And as you always say, the pay it forward. Yes. So what I have garnered from this and what I admire so much about you is that now where you are, you're really thinking about this is much bigger than you. Oh. There are people out there that may have not experienced every single one of these relaunches. Right. But one element and your the way you've handled it, the way you look at it, the way that your journey now is cross-pollination. Right? Yes. Your journey is to help as many. And I, I, I just admire you so much with, and I know that one of the things that before we jumped on here, we were chit-chatting about the books <laughs> the, that yes. are in both of our minds. Yes, <laughs> They need to be like when, when the door opens and the door is opening, I think slowly for both of us, which mm-hmm. is so awesome,
1: mm-hmm.
0: that it's making sure that there's the telling the story and there's the silver linings about how you have become who you are today and yes. your successful business so absolutely incredible and i i know we're just <laughs> zipping through this and time is of essence unfortunately we can't keep going with this but i i'm very interested in understanding how you feel about these days with people putting out there change your thoughts, think positively versus, you know, going into the the negativity of of life's challenges, of life's relaunches. I'd love to get your take on what you think about that statement of you got to think positive.
1: It drives me absolutely bonkers. And here's why. Uh, At face value, a statement like think positive thoughts There's no harm in that whatsoever because if you can at any point during your day shift your focus to something that is more positive, of course that is going to be beneficial to your mind, your brain, and chemically to your body. However, what I've seen is, and it's mostly through marketing as where I'm seeing this and through some coaching and speaking, which is why I'm very outspoken in the coaching industry. There has developed, I've seen it sort of as an offshoot of that movie, The Secret, back in the day, that grossly oversimplified universal law um, and basically took this face value statement and turned it into what is often termed as toxic positivity, meaning you're just glossing over all of the other things. And I don't think that that builds what is required to really build a life or a business or a relationship that is incredibly meaningful. And what I mean by that is all things we go to build or attempt to build in life will have peaks, valleys, ups and downs. You're going to be elated and you're also going to face plant on the pavement at some time. It just, it's just going to happen. It's unavoidable.
0: And it's it, it's meant to happen. We're human beings is. and these are all part of our experiences. You're not Absolutely. always going to be 100% happy. It's not
1: possible. No, because I, of- I the tried lot- for years and I was miserable because yeah. I
0: could never reach that state. I'm like, why am I not? I'm being told, be happy, be happy, be happy. And I'm not happy. I'm having like major things going on in my life. I'm not happy because I don't like myself. Forget about loving myself. I don't like me.
1: Right. Because you're what you're hearing is a, a message that it's either not safe, acceptable, or the right thing to do to be unhappy. But the truth is, if you don't build the skills that result in resilience and fortitude and tenacity and the ability to. Be in the mess and the muck of something and feel your feelings, all of them, the whole range of them, and then keep going with the lesson you've learned from the muck, the mess. Brene Brown and, um, uh, oh, I just blanked on her name, it just flew out of my head. There are a few coaches uh, and researchers online who talk about being in the cocoon phase right? Which is messy and gooey and you have to break down and you don't just go in as a caterpillar and turn around and fly out as this beautiful butterfly. You have to completely break down and be a mess. And if you come out too early, you're not going to be able to fly. So really the way I look at this, just be happy. Just think positive thoughts. It's, I think it's damaging because it gives people that message. Oh, don't feel all your feelings don't learn how to deal with shame and anger and rage and guilt and anxiety and all and fear. Oh, God forbid we admit we're afraid about something. Goodness gracious. So I just I don't like it because I don't think it actually serves people again on the surface. Do I want you going down the rabbit hole of ne- negative thinking? No, of course not. I don't want you to hang out there, but go in, feel your feelings, learn the lessons, build your resilience and come back out a better, stronger version of yourself and keep going because that's really the only way you win anything is you don't give up. Mm. That, that is the definition of winning. I didn't, I got knocked down and I didn't stay down. That's it. Yeah. You win. You win.
0: Right. I, you know what? I always use the, forget about failing forward, fail forward. You're going to hit your face. You're going to break your nose on the cement. I want you to fail up. I want you to be thinking mm-hmm. like, all right, it's okay that I went through that acknowledge it. I say it's the first part of the relaunch process, which is release, like lean into it, understand it, understand how it's made you, you. And thoughts. Yeah. You're going to have negative thoughts we're human beings. Mm -hmm. We have more negative thoughts than positive thoughts, but there is a point where it's the fears, it's the limiting beliefs that you really need to start with. And then the thoughts are, it's almost like that muscle that you just have to be able to, all right, what's triggering this? Why do I have a negative thought? More importantly than, oh God, I'm having a negative thought. I need to think positive. It's like, why are you having that negative? So right. I, I've, I've heard you talk about this before and I, I admire you because I really believe the same. I think affirmations are awesome. Sure. They're awesome. Wake up in the morning and why would you want to be like, you know, cursing yourself out in the morning <laughs> when you're first waking up? That means you're gonna have a terrible day. Right. Instead, you know, give yourself a little love. Give yourself a little affirmation. I mean, yes. it does. It starts your day on a much better note. It, it's proven yeah. scientifically. Boom. It actually works. But as you go through the day, be very aware be aware of what's happening and have the muscle of being able to develop it. I, I love this concept of, you know what, we're we're all busy, we're all like jamming through life and the bad things will happen. But being able to say, you know what, I get it, but right now I have to do what's at hand, my task, manage this board meeting that I'm running right now, or, you know, go out and and get in front of, you know, thousands of people on a stage. And you do have to say at some point, but I do have to acknowledge that and get back to that. Why was I feeling that way? Because yes. That's what I think what we too many of us do. We just race through it and it's like and then it erupts. And then it like I call it the bugs. The bugs start to, you know, believe that your ground surfacing, they will come up and then they will explode in, you know, in your kitchen. I always think one ant and then you don't deal with it. And the next morning it's like millions. It's like, right. No. Right. So, A- absolutely. A hundred percent. So I love that. So great. Okay. So as we wrap up, I always do rapid fire questions. Are Yay, you my favorite. I mean, are you ready, girl? I okay, am so ready. So, Bring it So we talked about you being a hellion. Yes. What would your audience be surprised to hear that you love?
1: That I love.
0: That would be on the edge there. That would be like, what? She likes
1: that? That's, that's actually a challenging question because I feel like I'm so transparent. I don't think they'd be surprised. Okay. So what about my audience that they don't know about you because they don't
0: know you yet?
1: (laughs) That's so funny. I, I am not afraid to be publicly disruptive. And by mean that what I mean by that is I am not afraid to challenge somebody who is seen as an authority or an influencer or, or whatever for fear of blowback. I have, I know have that does this does not bother me at all. I was born to do that. And I think um, what people have to understand is being a disruptor for the people is different than stirring the pot. That's an ego-based activity disrupting so that you break something down to rebuild it in a better way. Usually a system is a really powerful thing to do. And some of us are just built to do it. So a lot of people say to me, I can't believe you said that on social media. And yeah, absolutely. I'm going to say it. Somebody has to. So yeah, that's what I'd say it is.
0: I think that's great. And who is your right now, your go-to influencer that you're like, yeah, badass. They, They know what they're doing.
1: So I have a few. Uh, my business coach Kelly Roach, I love and adore. Her strategic mind is is absolutely brilliant. Um, I am right yes. with you. Super. Yes. Brilliant. Uh, On the sort of neuroscience side, it's Dr. Tara Swart out of MIT. I absolutely love her because she is pioneering really the study of the intersection of cognitive neuroscience and business and success. So I adore her and I hang on all of her words. So I'd say those are the two who influence me the most right now.
0: And if you were, if you had to start over right now, Mm -hmm. and you couldn't do what you're currently doing what Uh would you do oh so
1: many things i'd probably go to law school
0: (laughs) (laughs) that just still might be in your future yeah i i mean i'd go to law
1: school and i would either so i've thought about this very much this is one of my i call them escape patches you know when you're having a bad day in your mind and you think of all the things you're gonna go do because you're not doing this anymore Going to law school is one of them. And then I think about becoming a judge, um, working for the Justice Department, or going into politics, which I hate, which is why I would want to go into it because I would want to shake it up a little bit. So, yeah.
0: Totally. You'd be the next RBJ.
1: Oh, please. Bye. No, I know. She is, I bow to her. There's oh, so <laughs> I do too. I oh do too. God, we need somebody else coming up through the ranks. Come oh, on,
0: somebody. I, I, yes. Okay. So what is your go-to poolside beverage?
1: Oh, that's easy. That, that's a Tito's Vodka Cosmo, Cosmopolitan. Cold, cold glass.
0: Okay. And is it, is that sweet?
1: Yeah, it's sweet, but not too sweet if you make it right.
0: Okay. Cause I'm like really in right now to, I'm into the no sweet types of drinks. Mm-hmm but I still like the idea of having a fun one to be able to order. I don't want to go dummy it down so much. Okay. I'm yeah. going to try that one. It's my right. go-to.
1: It's cool. my go-to.
0: I love that. And yeah. then this is a, uh, this is the last but not least in terms sure. of what is your favorite beauty product? And the
1: oh my gosh. Okay. So this, I am obsessed with skincare um, so am I. This is nice. like relaunch beauty here, ladies. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm obsessed with skincare. Um, And right now I am absolutely loving, it's a relatively new product. It, it came out, I want to say maybe in the last six months or so, I might be off a little bit by that, but the IT Cosmetics Retinol Serum. It is absolutely fantastic. It is, I think under $70. I use it every single night, Um, in the past I've tried to use retinol based products and my skin really reacted harshly to it yeah super sensitive over
0: here too yes
1: so this is the first retinol product that's also a serum that I've been able to use that I mean within two days I saw a difference and I think it's like 68 or 69 dollars so okay and if you you could if
0: if you're watching this on video you're gonna see skin is beautiful she's got incredible skin so let's all check that product out And, and as the kind of winding it all down, how would you, or winding up for this question, how would you describe powerhouse of possibility?
1: I'd say that you can become, own, embody being a powerhouse of possibility when you eradicate the belief That in any way, shape, or form, you are inadequate and therefore undeserving of what you desire. Period. Mm,
0: Mic drop. That's good. All right. So at this point, for those that are saying, all right, I want more of Kelly. How can they find you? What are you working on these days?
1: I am so easy to find. So you can find me on Instagram (laughs) at Kelly S. Ruta, which is a T, not a D. Um, And inside my Instagram links, I uh, several times a year have a a workshop running called The Next Level CEO. So come and join us in there. You can find me on Facebook. I have a Facebook page and a personal page. You can DM me. I actually interact (laughs) as myself. Um, And you can also find me on my website, which is very simply kellyruta.com. Fantastic. And
0: we'll have this in the show notes. So Kelly, thank you for being here today and for being vulnerable, for sharing your relaunches that are so incredibly significant and the silver linings behind it.
1: Thank you so much for having me, for asking the deep, important questions and for making this a safe space to be able to answer them honestly and and vulnerably, because I think as leaders, this is what we need to be doing for ourselves and other women. So thank you so much for the
0: opportunity. All right, and we will definitely continue following you. Thanks, Kelly. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Silver Lined Relaunch. If I said something today that resonated with you, will you please head over to iTunes right now and leave us a five-star review and share this episode with others and help them find the silver linings as well. And don't forget, you can have immediate access to the show notes, any giveaways, and the links to those amazing beauty products at the backslash podcast. Until next time, there's always a silver lining. And now is the time to hit the reset button to relaunch those transitions into transformations.